Coming to you live from the Morningstar Mission Sponsored Studios, this is Carl and Crew Mornings on 90.1 FM Moody Radio. All right, we got a fun little exercise coming up here in just a moment. I need everyone to get a coin in their hand. Everyone get a coin in their hand. Coin. You got a coin in your hand? Okay. I've got a, I've got a quarter right now. Okay. Uh, Young Thunder, what do you have? Uh, I've got a quarter as well. Okay, I've got a nickel in my hand and we are ready to rumble here. You know, sometimes we look at life and we, to this whole week, we're going to be talking about fruit flies. We're going to jump in it in earnest tomorrow. We're getting a lot of fruit fly remedies here, by the way. Mm-hmm. It looks to me like the overwhelming consensus is apple cider vinegar. By the way, that stuff's good for lots of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You Absolutely. can drink it. It's good for you. I mean, you can put it if in the bottom of a jar. I was going to say, can you drink it? I though? love it. If you can get it down. I love that stuff. You don't drink it straight. You aren't taking shots of apple but cider vinegar, diluted. are you? Wow. I love that stuff. It is potent. My wife mm. makes a concoction that's so good. Um, I, for, I enjoy it. and I But I like that tangy, sharp, lemony, you know what I'm saying, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Sure. Therefore, apple cider vinegar is good stuff. But it kills fruit flies. If you put it in the bottom of one of these mason jars... And put a funnel over the top of it or something. I, I saw something. So, somehow dish soap is involved. I'm not you sure. You put dish soap in I as well? I think a drop of dish soap. Okay. Yeah. So we're getting some concoctions to get rid of fruit, fruit <laughs> flies. But fruit flies are a bummer. And they're a great metaphor for the stuff that holds us back from enjoying the fruit in our life. Mm-hmm. Right? The, yeah. Those issues that spoil the fruit. Big time. And, and it ruins it, man. It just takes the fun away. And it, there are... If you get a coin in your hand, I'm going to illustrate coming up why understanding the root of the fruit flies is so important. And by the way, these fruit flies, you ready for a fast fact? I did not know this until we started studying it last week. One fruit fly can lay 500 fruit fly eggs. On your fruit. Uh, Ew. Giving hope directly from the source. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. We're going to break this down this half an hour. We're doing a little Coaching Monday thing here. I just want to pour out my heart to you here about the, the value of owning sin, but in two separate ways. So if you hold up a coin, and this is great. I'm, I think I'm going to keep a coin in my pocket. I never have coins with me. <laughs> okay. But I think I'm going to keep a coin in my pocket because this is one of those great reminders. If you look at a coin and you just hold it up, and I'm holding it up between my thumb and my index finger right now, and I go, okay, this coin represents sin. Okay? Let's just say this coin, whatever it is, represents sin. On one side, let's take the heads, you've got sin that we commit. We hurt others by sins of commission or omission. Commission. Commission, those sins that we commit, things that we do that are contrary to the will of God. Sins of omission, things that we fail to do that God has called us to. To him who knows what is right and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. All right, so we've got sin on one hand, that that sin of commission and omission. And by the way, just like I've got this nickel in my hand, own it. There's great power in owning sin, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's easy to kind of qualify it, obfuscate deflect, rationalize, but there's something powerful. People who own when they've missed the mark without a, but they did this to me. No, just own it. Just own it. It's powerful. Wish I did it perfectly all the time. We never will get it perfectly, but it's good to get. But you flip that bad boy over and what do you have on mine? It's a picture of the Capitol. All right. But this represents to me, 
This one coin represents sin. One side is what we've done to others. The other side is what's been done to us. Sins of commission and omission. Yeah. It is imperative that just like we let God in his power redeem and restore us to fellowship when we own sin, confession of sin, by the way, is powerful. Are we totally redeemed? Are we seen through the scrim of the shed blood of Jesus? Are we cloaked in the righteousness of Christ? Yes. But ongoing sin severs our ability to have communion and fellowship, not only with God, but with others. This is why we find 1 John 1, 9. This is why we find James 5. It's repeated over and over in Scripture. something powerful about agreeing with God and others about sin. It's powerful. Breaks the chains. So own that. But own too. The value of owning. Now, this isn't for the purpose of camping out and rehearsing pain. No. When we own issues and pain, not issues, let me be clear. When we own it, when someone has sinned against us, either by commission or omission, we have an opportunity to bring God into that moment, into that time, into that space, and let him do a healing to us. Now, I'm just going to leave that statement, stand. I'm going to prove it to you in a moment, right from the scriptures, the life of Joseph. But here's what I want you to know. So many times where we are today, the behaviors that we have today are just the net effect of not letting God minister to our pain. Mm. I mean, really, yeah. I met with a guy here recently and his life is just upside down. Great brother. Life just upside down. He's got bills that he does not understand. He doesn't even know the interest rates on these things. He's got a housing situation that he can't find himself engaging with siblings about a, a parent that's near death because he's afraid to enter into those conversations. Fear just warps this guy's life right now. Yeah. And then I go back and I'm like, boy, you've got a trained behavior of, of huddling up in a corner. What's going on? I go, and he says, well, it's, you know, I've even been this way since I've been married. I said, since you've been married, let's go deeper. And he starts talking about the two wives that he had. And he said, I want to tell you, pastor, I can own stuff in those marriages. I said, okay, but what, what's, what's some of the pain that came out of those marriages as well? And he said, man, I don't know how it happened, but I just got beat up. My manhood was just further decimated. I said, further decimated. Let's go a little bit deeper. See, no, we're going deeper, yeah. deeper, deeper. And went all the way back, and this was about a 60-minute conversation, went all the way back to an 11-year-old boy who had a mom that spun on her heel, looked at her son after the dad had just went out the door, walked away from a fight, and she looked at him and said, you're going to be a loser, passive man just like your dad is. Mm. That's pain, man. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it, it hurts to even hear those words. And so he carried the that impact was far reaching. And so I assume he was maybe 30s, 40s, 50s? 40s. 40s. And guess what? You are nailing it, Allie. He not only carried it, he's lived, lived it. it. Lived it. Yeah. Do you know how much stuff we're doing right now? Things that we buy, things that we collect from massive purchasing to hoarding. You know what that is? Guys, that's just our attempt to try to pile stuff over the pain and cloud the shame of all that stuff. That's all that is. Some of you are perpetual peacekeepers, not peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. 
No good are the peacekeepers. Peacekeepers run around trying to keep a war from breaking out mm -hmm. at home, at work. It's like, ah, they're doing the hot dance, man. They're on the pads. They're just working it, working it, working it. Yeah. And then there's all the things that we can take to try to dull the pain. I, I shared with our church on Sunday. I said, you know, this is, I'm going to throw this in for free right now. Marijuana is legalized. Right. The problem with marijuana is that it is causing psychosis events in hospitals, like at rates. I've got nursing friends, doctor friends who are saying they're seeing an uptick of people coming into the emergency rooms with psychosis from marijuana big time because the strength of this stuff is powerful right now. This isn't your grandpa's ganja. This isn't Maui bud is what we used to hear when I was a kid growing up. This is serious stuff. But here's the bigger problem, because someone might ask me, well, Pastor Carl, it's legal. Can't we smoke a doobie? Here's what I'm going to say. I don't want to talk about can you smoke a doobie. I want to talk about what pain are you masking that makes a doobie that important? Because whether it's a pill that's popped, something that's eaten yet again, Sometimes there's behaviors that reveal that there's some pain that God needs to minister to down here. And that's where we want to get God, down here. And so when you think about this coin, you have that the heads, the head side of the coin, which is the sin that I need to own. Flip it over, you got tails. That's the pain that's been caused by the sin of others that you said own. How do I own sin that's been done to me? I had no responsibility in right. it. So what does owning it look like? Yeah, owning in the sense of going there and saying it happened. It happened. It, yeah. Okay. It happened. This happened. Coming up, we're going to get real practical. Right from the life of Joseph on how to get free. Your shot of hope to make it through the day. It's Carl and Crew Mornings. All right, guys, here we go. Uh, we're talking about the, the power of digging deep into the pain in our life. And I think I was even new, young in Christ. I was of the mindset. It's like, ah, let's suck it up, dust it off. God's alive. He's at work. Mm -hmm. You know, let the past be the past. And there is a time to not rehearse pain any longer. But that's only when God has visited you there. This is one of the most amazing stories, the story of Joseph. And it's expansive. But in chapter 45, we find Joseph about to do the big reveal to his brothers. This is in Genesis. Genesis chapter 45. And he's about to do the big reveal to his brothers. Now, his brothers don't even recognize him. Last they saw him when he was 17. Now, a lot of years have gone by. His face probably changed. And by the way, he's probably clean shaven now and probably had a beard when he left home. So he's all scrubbed up, looking great in second in command. So the dream that he had given Pharaoh is now being fulfilled. So not only did he spend 12 years in prison, probably one year in Potiphar's house, 12 years in prison. Now we've got gone through seven years of bounty and two years of famine. So he's much older when these brothers had hmm. seen him. Yeah. So he's, he's about to do the big reveal. Now, this is important to note. You're going to notice if you read Genesis 45 that he puts his head on the neck of his brothers and he weeps. Don't ever put your neck, head on the neck of a brother who hasn't repented. I, I'm just throwing this in for free. You can find peace with God, by the way, through the pain of life. But that full 
embrace of his brothers was only because he had seen that these guys were broken and changed men and that the famine had done that. But but the story goes, then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, second in command, make everyone get out of here. (laughs) So no one stuck around and he wept so loudly that the Egyptians the household of Pharaoh heard it. So imagine this. He's in there wailing. Yeah. So all this pain of all these years are coming out, but it's a pain of, it's a pain of glorification of God. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's not bitter. How do I know this? Four times between verse four and 14, he says these words, and this is where he first begins it. And now do not be distressed. So he's already reveals himself to his brothers. In fact, he says, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? Well, these guys aren't hearing, is my father still alive? They're processing, I am Joseph. You know <laughs> oh, what sure. I'm saying? Yeah. They're like, stuck on yeah. the first thing. Oh, what? You're Joseph? <laughs> and now they're looking at facial structure and they're listening to, and they're going, they can't even process the second part of the question here. And then he says, come near to me. And they came near to him. He said, I'm your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here for God sent me before you to preserve life. Mm -hmm. Four times, Joseph said, God sent me here. Let me give you the point from Joseph's life that's so important and how it applies to you. We live in a sin-wracked world that is so stinking broken we all have inflicted harm on others either through sins of commission or omission, those we got to own. But we've had pain inflicted on us because of sins of commission and omission. It's happened. Joseph did something that many Christians today don't do. What was that? He let God minister to the pain of that moment. You know what he did? He obviously took this thing to God and said, God, I'm aching. But he let God leverage the pain of his life into something great. Could have Joseph, could this story have gone on that Joseph was so furious that he just had his brother slain? Sure. Absolutely. But he didn't. As a matter of fact, he was so at peace with the fact that what God meant for evil, that's what we find in Genesis five chapters later, Genesis 50, verse 20, what God, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Only a man who has come to the point where he says, I have recognized the pain. I've invited God into the pain. And then we get to look at Joseph's story and go, God's in the business of redeeming pain. I am convinced the reason this story's here is because there's a lot of pain that you're facing today that you need to look back at and go, God, would you show me how you want to redeem this? By the way, as a pastor, I can tell you this with absolute authority. There is no pain that we go through ever in our life that can't be leveraged for the glory of God and the good of mankind. I, I heard it said many years ago, and I thought, this is so profound. Deep pain equals deep ministry. Yeah. And I want to tell you something from the bottom of my heart. It is true. I am not asking you to suck it up and move on. I'm asking you to bring the Father of lights back into that moment of pain. And we all have them. We all have them. I shared one yesterday at church. We all have them. Those moments where you have deep pain. 
and you bring God back there and go, God, you saw that. You were there. You, you allowed that to happen. Now, how are you going to leverage this for your glory? And watch what God does. So we, t- we brought up a little bit earlier, what do you think is the best way practically to kind of go through these steps of peeling back these layers? Is this something that just can be done between me and the Lord? Is this something that I need to invite someone else into? It's a good question, Allie. Coming up here in just a minute, let's get after that. Okay. Let's get after that. Coming up in here in two minutes, how do we peel this stuff back? How, do, how in the world do we do that? Can we do it alone or do we need someone else? Great question. Hang on. Boom Crew, celebrate what God is doing in you. This is Carl and Crew Mornings. If you want to follow up with that Snapshot Testimony podcast, it's a really fascinating conversation this week when you think about confronting people. (laughs) That's kind of awkward and uncomfortable to do. But my guest this week says it's one of the most loving things that you can do is be willing to tell the truth to your friend. To hear the full conversation, just text the word SNAP to 312-274-9624. Just text the word SNAP. Allie, you got a good question. And that is, how do we get down to the bottom to the root of pain in our life, get through the weeds, get through the fruit flies and get down to what needs to be addressed, right? Yeah, I mean, because you you mentioned earlier, you kind of unpacked this with someone that you pastor recently. And do, can you do this on your own or do you need the help of a pastor or a trusted friend? You know, I think there's occasions, I'd say if you can go back to the root issue, if you can go back to origins of pain in your life, and this is so funny for me, Mr. Alaska, to be talking about this, but really, it's true. If you can go back to origins and pain in, in your life on your own, great. Mm-hmm. But many of us cannot even see the origins of some of these things. Sure. I mean, this guy that you we're talking about here, this is a guy that had just met finances in chaos, mm-hmm. relationships in chaos. And I start digging back and I see marriages that had been in chaos and, I, and, I'm, and I'm digging further and further back, and I, the whole story you can get on the showcast, but as I'm digging further and further back, I'm going, and I finally get to the final question. I go, why is it that you have been so willing to be controlled by men and women in your life and passivity just debilitates you, my brother? I go, go back. What was said to you? We went back, 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 all the way to 11 years old. And his mom, in a fit of rage, spun around on her heels after her dad had just walked out the door and said, you're going to be a passive loser husband just like your dad. Mm. Just feel that for a second. Yeah. But here's, here's what had to happen. Now, I, I got to tell you, a lot of times we look at different pain points in our life and we can identify them, but once we identify them, whether it's with a friend, a pastor, a counselor, um, a, a trusted confidant, when you get down there, that's where you look at Joseph's story and open it up. Go to chapter 45 of Genesis 45, uh, chapter 45 of the book of Genesis, and then go to chapter 50, verse 20. This is where you see Joseph that clearly brought God into those moments of pain and had a mindset that could only come from the Spirit of God. And Pharaoh himself said, how cool was this? The Spirit of God is on this man. That's pretty cool when lost guys can tell you that. But he brought God into the pain of that moment and said, I'm hurting. Leverage it, God, and show me how you're Mm going to redeem it. 
Now, this is a game changer because no matter what pain you've gone through, God wants to use it. And it's weird because pain either is leveraged for the glory of God or it's debilitating and there's almost nothing in the middle. Isn't that wild? It is. And, you know, the interesting thing is you may or may not get that sort of reconciliation oh, yeah. with the person. You might not at all. Persons who who wronged you. Yeah. And I think that can be one of the most difficult things where you feel like I don't have closure on this. This person never apologized or maybe this person is 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 gone on and there's no opportunity for any reconciliation. What do you do with that emotion of like it being a feeling unresolved? Yeah. I mean, because in, in many cases, like you said, that person's dead and gone. Uh, you know, I there's this is really going to sound funny here, but I'm going to go there. I have I've benefited from an empty chair. I did this on one occasion okay. where I put a, I sat down in a chair. I put an empty chair across from me and I spoke to that person mm-hmm. and I said, I'm not going to give you the dialogue, but I'm going to, I'm going to just tell you this. I spoke to them and I rehearsed and I was a little bit ticked for a moment. And I said, you know what? You did me wrong here. Yeah. But then I, I looked to God. This was on the coaching of a, of a phenomenally wise man. I said, God, you're here right now. This guy's gone. Would you please show me how you're going to use this in my life and in the life of others? I have never been disappointed. If we can make that shift in the hands of a loving God, a God who sees, a God, a God who Joseph said, God sent me here. You thought you were selling me into slavery. God had different plans. Yeah. If you can make that shift that God is sovereign, sees all things. A lot of people say, well, if, if God, God sees all these horrible things, what's he up to? Joseph said, God redeems all the pain in a broken world and he can redeem yours. It's great hope for today. So take that with you. I mean, because I just met someone on Friday who's just dealing with some long-term undealt with pain. How do you deal? How do you move forward? So if you go to Genesis, where does this story? I would, I would just, um, I would pick it up in, uh, if you know the story, start in chapter 45 and uh, then go to 50 verse 20 and just look at the response of Joseph to his brothers when he does the big reveal going, yeah. I'm your brother. By the way, how's dad? And then the rest is just, it just trickles down from there. And these guys are terrified. Why? And they're probably awestruck. How can this guy be so, how can this guy be so gracious? Only one reason. That graciousness didn't flow from him. It flowed from God. And from his trust that God would use even the really hard stuff. Genesis 50, 20, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. That was Joseph's kind of parting statement there. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Okay, guys, coming up here, we've got uh, we got some tickets to give away in this. Ne- I think we're going to give away some more in this next half hour. What do you say? Okay. All right. Yeah, let's do it. Michael Jr. is coming to town, and it's this Friday night. And if you haven't heard about this guy, you know, here's what's funny. Here's why I want to play this coming up here. He nails this very thing in an interview that Allie did with him. 
this very thing. Did we know this was providentially going to no. line up like this? No, because of this, uh, the the way these things are booked. I recorded this interview, pre-recorded it, and we did not know how well it was going to fit and how much he was going to touch on the same issue we're talking about today. In a really cool way. Hang on. That's coming up. Talking about Jesus and having fun while doing it. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. Want to feature an event that's coming up this Friday here at the campus of Moody Bible Institute. It's going to be an evening of comedy with Michael Jr. He's been called one of the most gifted comedian and storytellers, been on TV and stage appearance nationwide. And he's with us right now. Uh, Michael Jr., thanks for being with us. Is uh, Do you go by Michael Jr. or do the people who know you well just call you Michael or Mike? No, I'm probably Michael Jr. to, to everybody. I have my kids call me that, too. I think that's kind of important. <laughs> Is that important? Okay. So what, <laughs> at what point in your life did you realize that you were funny? Did you have a moment where maybe someone told you, or did you just kind of grow into this role? Um, I kind of knew. There was, there was a moment. I grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and there was a moment when I was nine years old when I said something to my parents that I thought might be funny, but I had to pose it in the phrase of a question because I couldn't, uh, you know, it's better to do a question because it's safer. It's as if I'm walking in ignorance. And I said what I said, and they both laughed. And I remember at nine years old, sitting in the backseat of the car thinking, wow, I just made people older than me laugh. This is amazing. And then, uh, then I started thinking about my career path. That's not true at all. Um, no. Okay. I, I pro- it I usually had, doesn't happen like that. What's the true story? Yeah. 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 No, that's exactly what happened. Aside from the career path part, but I really, uh, yeah, comedy has just been a part of me, but now I understand that it's only a part of me. Like comedy is the vehicle. It's not necessarily the destination at all. Mm, that's fair. Is that something that you had to kind of parse out as you got older? Cause it's easy uh, to kind of slap an identity, particularly if you're good at something. Did you have to figure out later on that, no, I'm not just a comedian. It's just a part of who I am. Uh, it just kind of all morphed because my desire for getting on stage first, it started out about me like, yo, I get to get lashing people. But once I understood that once, you know, once I met Jesus, my need for recognition and acceptance from people actually went down quite a bit. Mm. So then I started asking a different question. Instead of asking the question, what, how can I get laughs? I started asking the question, what could I give to my audience? Once I started asking that question, my concern and desire to help them grew. And I knew laughter wasn't necessarily enough. Comedy will open up a heart, but it, it also, which just means it's an opportunity to make a deposit that can make a positive change into the people at the events. So that's what it's really about. I'm, all, I'm really called to comedically inspire people to walk in the purpose God has given them. Wow. So how do, how do you do that practically, to comedically inspire people to walk in purpose? Uh, how do you do that? Yeah, well, and I can do this anywhere. I'll be doing it on stage. And here's, here's what really happens is when I'm on stage, people will come, you'll see the show, we'll laugh. It's the same stuff I've done on Tonight Show, Comedy Central, all of these TV shows. But when I'm on stage, and I'm giving you some insight right now, what I'm actually doing is I may be presenting joke number one, but at the same time, I'm doing the math on what I think joke number two should be based off people are currently responding to joke number one. Then I move on to joke number three and start doing the math on what I think that joke should be based off how you're currently responding to number one and probably responding to number two. I actually used to go seven jokes deep when I first started my career. And again, the question I would ask is how could I get last from people? But now what I'm doing I met Jesus, and he's giving me a different question to ask in between the gaps. And the question I'm asking is, what can I give to my audience? 
And asking that question, something different happens just about every single show. Something different takes place. So Friday won't be any different. I'll be listening between the gaps. A lot of comedy will happen, but God will probably say something different. Like the other day in Nashville, I asked this lady, I just randomly asked people, hey, is there anything that bothers you? Does somebody have something here that really, this just kind of bothers you a little bit. Now, this is in the midst of laughing and we just having a good time. Yeah. And uh, this lady, and I shared some processes that you can do. And I shared how life will bring you people and circumstances to reveal where you're not free. Hmm. And I wanted them to really understand that. So I said, let's find out. Is there anybody here who has a, uh, something that bothers them? And this lady stands up. She says, I don't like stupid people. That's what she said. <laughs> okay. She said, I, I can't stand when people do stupid stuff. I was like, oh, interesting. So what do, you, what do you mean? And then she said, well, just like that question you just asked me talking to me. That's what she said. That's a stupid question. I just told you now it's stupid. So I got 2,000 people that just sold our show, and they're about to turn on her any minute. Mm. But I know enough from reading people that in this moment, she's probably been triggered to where she's eight years old at this moment. Yeah. But she doesn't know it because this is how she functions. I said, so when you think about stupid people, pay attention to how you feel. How do you feel? And I said, I asked her to pray. There's a couple, there's some steps in between this. Then I asked her to pray and ask God, where did that initial feeling actually come from? So I gave her a couple minutes. She prayed, and then her head pops up like people's head always do. Her head pops up, and she looks different in the face now. I was like, what did you find? What did he tell you? I, and I explained to her. I said, a memory will pop up, a vision, a eight, something. And then she looked at me, and she said, and with her lip kind of quivering, she said, I was standing by the chalkboard. Mm. And... um I did an assignment on the board, and it, it wasn't right, and the teacher called me stupid. And all of the kids laughed, and I ran out of the classroom. I was wow. like, oh. So now, every time you enter a room, you have to find the thing that's stupid so it won't be you in order to protect yourself. And she was like, oh. Then we went on and laughed some more. I did some more jokes. Talked about, uh, I'm like, we just, we just jumped right back into the jokes. But that's what I mean by listening between the gaps. Like, I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but I'm listening between the gaps. By the way, to all the listeners out there, in your life, there's gaps. Yeah. What question are you asking in between the gaps? Is it a question of what can I give or is it a question of what can I get? Mm. And if you don't know the answer to that question, I think you know the answer to that question. By default, we always ask, what can we get? So I'm excited. I'm pumped. I can't wait. I got comedy scheduled. We're going to laugh a lot. And then um, we're going to listen in between the gaps. So I hope people enjoy the, uh, I think people are really going to enjoy it. The show has been selling out all over the country. Super excited about this. Pretty insightful stuff. We've got Michael Jr. with us right now. He is going to be doing an evening of comedy right here on the Moody Bible Institute campus this Friday night. We've got a keyword for you. Just text the word junior to 312-274-9624. You can check out the link to buy tickets. Just text the word junior. Spell it out for me. 312-274-9624. Then Friday night here at 7 o'clock right here on Moody Bible Institute at the campus. Parking, all of that is included in the ticket price. Coming up, though, let's get to know this guy a little bit more. Let's find out how he came to faith in Jesus Christ. More with Michael Jr. coming up. Got to go into work? Don't worry. Check out the Carlin Cruz Showcast wherever you like to stream. 
You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. Well, we've got Michael Jr. with us. He's going to be uh, performing, I guess you call it that, an evening of comedy this Friday here at the Moody Bible Institute. Text the word JUNIOR if you want to get tickets, JUNIOR, to 312-274-9624. Michael, since you're on with us, our focus is on the gospel here. Tell us, how did you come to faith in Jesus? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> <I'm just trying> <laughs> <to>. <laughs> the, the moody was about to change up here, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> I met Jesus. Um, actually, uh, I was in, at a club in. Um, where was I? At? Oh no, I was. Yeah, I was at a club in New York City performing and and getting ready to get on stage. And this comedian named George Wallace walked in and he saw me and he saw that my comedy was funny and clean and he asked me to do a show with him and his his best friend Jerry Seinfeld. So Whoa. me and Jerry and George go through this big show. And then after the show, like I got two standing ovations that night. And then after the show, the club manager approaches me and says, hey, you had a great set, Michael. And he asked me, he said, can I ask you a question? I was like, yeah, man, we just did technically. And he said, can I, you want to go to church with me tomorrow? I was like, church? Maybe to back up and go to church. And the reason I said no to him is because I knew a couple of Christians and they were creepy. By the way, as a side note, the other reason I told him no, I actually said to him, I said in my head as he asked me to go to church, I said, back up, you're making my feet hurt. That's what I was thinking. Oh, boy. And all of these years later, the reason, I mean, I used, I would say that, but I actually understand the truth in that now. And this happened by listening between the gaps. The reason I had a sensation of my feet hurting is because my, when my grandmother would take me to church when I was seven years old, this is a little side note, my shoes were always at least two sizes too small. Oh, of and course. church would last like six hours. Mm-hmm. So church the last six hours, my shoes are two sizes too small. So now I have a negative neuro association associated with being in church, right? But I didn't know it. I didn't know enough to press into it and get curious about it to find out why do I dislike church so much or when people bring up church. It didn't have anything to do with church. It was the fact that I was so significantly uncomfortable as a child when mm-hmm. I was there and it brought pain in my feet, which my brain is still associated with the situation. Anyway, so he invites me to this church. So I go to this church. And this dude is on stage talking about Jesus. He's just talking. He's not screaming. He's not yelling. He don't got no perm. He's just, he just talking about Jesus. And I'm blown back by this guy. And he just explained it. Then he did a thing where he did an altar call. He said, if you want Jesus in your life, all you have to do is believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, and Jesus is yours. And Allie, I really wanted to do it. Like, I really wanted to. But I was like, nah, hmm. I got to read the pamphlet first. So I told myself I'd read the Bible before I gave my life over to Jesus. I didn't even have a Bible. A few days later, I'm at O'Hara Airport, and this lady hands me a Bible. Whoa. And we never ex- we never exchanged words. She just handed me a Bible and walked off like the Lone Ranger or somebody into the sunset. <laughs> and so I, so I take this Bible, and I start reading it. Well, first thing I read was the copyrights. The Bible was made in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I'm like, yo, me too. That's crazy. Like, I, I never met you before. That's crazy. So I'm reading the Bible, and I'm going to church. Reading the Bible, going to church. I'm putting in like 12 to 14 hours a day. Seriously. Wow. And like, because I wanted to get my level to Jesus, but I told myself I'd read the Bible first. Mm-hmm. So I'm reading, and this part right here is 100% what happened. I'm reading the Bible, and I got to the part in Matthew where it said Jesus died for me. I did not know that Jesus died for me until I read it right there in Matthew. I was 27 years old at this point. I did not know. I, I've been to church, people yelling, screaming, but nobody explained it in a way that I could understand. Yeah. So I'm reading it right there like he died. And then I turn to Mark and he died again. I'm like, what in the world? And then Luke, by the time I get to John, I'm like, why are you going back in the garden, Jesus? I don't understand what you, like, what are you thinking about? <laughs> like, I really. So you weren't understanding that died. the gospels were just different accounts no. of the same events. I had no idea. Right. I thought he died four times. I was like, this don't make no sense. 
because nobody had ever explained it to me, and I never read the Bible all the way through. And plus, if you read any regular book and they tell you the same story four times, you're like, yo, it's something. I kept thinking I was rereading it. I'm like, did I read this already? <laughs> so I finished reading the Bible, and I go to church, and I give my life over to Jesus like during the announcement. So it took me 36 days. I read the Bible in 36 days, and I gave when I gave my life over, I understand stuff now. I used to just think I was funny. Now I understand I'm funny for a reason. Mm. There's reason. There's a reason for me to have this sense of humor, this skill, and these talents. And it's not just about me getting laughs. It's also about me delivering the insights and the understandings that God has given me to deliver to the people. Comedy is a seasoning. It's not the meal. I'm excited about Friday bringing a meal to the event. It's cool. You know, you, you've, you're you clearly a comedian, but you from your stories, there's a little bit of counselor in there. There's a little bit of pastor uh-huh. in there. You got a lot going on there. Uh-huh. If you want more uh-huh. Friday, <laughs> anything I left out, you want to throw another word in there, Michael? Okay. Yeah. Let's throw in um, handsome and athletic. We should probably throw that in there. Too. We could throw that okay, in there no if you'd like. Text okay. the word junior to 312 274 9624. Clearly going to be a lot of fun. Text junior to 312 274 9624. Michael Jr., thanks for taking the time this morning. We appreciate it. You're awesome. Thank you so much. Hey, this is Carl with Carl and Crew, and I'm so grateful that you listened to this showcast. Thank you mostly for being part of the Boom Crew. As we help you take your next step with Jesus, you're a huge encouragement to us. We'll be here again live every weekday morning from 5 to 9 a.m. Godspeed.